been seen, I'm preaching through the seven I am statements that Jesus made about himself that are found in John's Gospel. And um, I'm doing this really because I'm really, as I said, thinking, who is Jesus? Because I think that we really need to know Jesus. And we're going to tell people about Jesus. And I think if we're going to introduce him, then we really need to know. Today we're looking at the fourth of these statements. If you remember last week, the statement I made was about Jesus being the door. And it was all to do with what we call... um, Sorry, it's on. Is it working? Let me restrain you. There you go. Now it's working. Was to do with this, the sheep pen fold. If you remember the scenario, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees because they were very upset at him because he healed a blind man. And that blind man said that because he was healed, he said, I believe that you are the son of man. The Pharisees weren't happy with their statement, so they came and confronted Jesus. It was during that conversation that Jesus called himself the door. And Jesus basically was saying to them, look, when it comes to entering God's presence, I am the door. He said, you can either come in a door or you can jump a wall. He says, if you jump a wall, then you're nothing like thieves and robbers. We're told in John's Gospel that they didn't understand this. So now in a direct follow-on from this, or as part of this same conversation, Jesus gave the fourth I am statement recorded in John's Gospel. However, to help us understand it, or help them to understand, Jesus moves from the structure to the main character, that person we met on our tour last week of the Holy Land, the shepherd himself. Shepherding was very popular in Bible times. Many of the people named in our Bible were shepherds. Abel, Moses, David, to name a few. Even today in the Holy Land, you will still see shepherds going about their business caring for sheep. But if we were to go on a tour, we'd probably be taken back by how different they are with sheep compared to the way us Aussies are. I don't know if you've ever been on farms or had anything to do with sheep, but if you do, you'll probably think of images like this. Things of motorbikes, horses, dogs. All these have the purpose of driving or pushing sheep forward to a spot that a farmer wants them to go. However, this is probably more what you would see over in Israel. Over there, shepherds don't farm sheep in order to slaughter them for food. Sheep are farmed for wool, milk and lambs. So a lot of care is taken in caring for sheep. That's why even today, the shepherds still know their sheep intimately. This involves knowing their individual traits and special needs. They lead their sheep. We drive our sheep, they lead. They walk and the sheep follow. So as you see, shepherds do special things for their sheep. So with that in mind, let's look at what Jesus said in the continuation of this conversation to the Pharisees. I invite Kate up now, who's going to bring us our Bible reading.
Um, so from John 10, 11 to 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as a father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is a demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the saints of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thanks very much, Kate. Remember the scenario. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who are upset at him because he healed a blind man. And that blind man claimed that because of that very action, Jesus was the son of man. The Pharisees weren't happy, so they came and confronted him. You know, if the Pharisees were already upset with Jesus, he isn't making his case any better by saying what he said. Jesus used a shocking word in this statement. In fact, he uses it three times. What word? He uses this word. Good. Now, face value, you may think, doesn't really mean much to us. But this word good in the Greek is literally describes something or someone who is ideal or perfect. If anything was called good in these days, it was really, really set apart. The good thing was or became a model for others to imitate. The good thing could be followed and people wouldn't get into any trouble. I guess it's a bit like when we say, there's a good role model, go and do what they do. Now, I guess where we come from in the year 2023, it's no shocking surprise to us that Jesus calls himself good. I mean, he's definitely fitted the meaning. In his nature, Jesus was beautiful and fair. He had a goodness about him like no other. So, of course, he could call himself good. No damage done, right? Wrong. By Jesus using this word good, he was claiming to be God alone. Do you remember, even Jesus himself challenged someone who came to him and said, good teacher. He said, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. So we must understand that Jesus just doesn't call himself a shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. He wasn't just saying it like we use the word good today when you say to someone, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Remember, in this time, this word, no one was good. No one. There is no one or no thing that was beautiful, fair, ideal or perfect except for God and God alone. And so for Jesus to say this word three times was to call himself God. Sorry. 
Anyway, sorry about the diversion. Now on to the message. To help the Pharisees understand that he healed the blind man, and the blind man was right in a way, he is the son of man. Jesus points out three ministries, or three things that he performs as the good shepherd. Three things, Jesus says, as the good shepherd, this is what I do. Here's the proof for you that I am the son of man. Here's the proof for you that that healed man was right. And the first thing he says is he dies for his sheep. The point Jesus is making in this is this. How does a shepherd care for his sheep? While in this dialogue, to help his case, he compares the actions of two different kinds of shepherds watching over sheep. The action of a shepherd who owns the sheep compared to the actions of the shepherd who's hired to watch sheep. His argument is this. What are the actions of the hired shepherd towards the sheep when danger comes? What does that man do, he says? He runs away. He takes off. Now, before we attack the hired man too harshly in his defence, Jesus does give us a key reason why he does that. And it is this. The hired shepherd doesn't own the sheep. What's the point of laying down your life or dying for sheep that aren't yours? He's never paid a price for them. They never cost him anything. He's getting a wage. If he gets killed, he loses his wage. So we understand things that don't cost us anything, we really don't care about them. We really don't put time and effort into things we haven't made a cost for. Compare that to the good shepherd. The good shepherd has purchased his sheep. He's made a cost. The sheep belong to him, Jesus says. They are his. The good shepherd knows the nature and he knows basically sheep are stupid. They are prone to get into danger. He knows they need a shepherd to care for them and when danger comes, what does he do? He stays and cares for his sheep. He fights off wolves. He will do whatever it takes to protect his sheep. Why? Because they've cost him something already. He's bought them. They are his. Jesus states when it comes to caring for people, he's comparing himself to the shepherd who owns his sheep. He watches and cares for his sheep in, a, in that way. And opposed to the high men who watches over sheep only because they're paid to do so. So when there is danger, the hired men run away. But Jesus says, I don't. When danger comes, I die for my sheep. Remember the context in this sermon. He's calling the Pharisees the hired men. He's saying, you are the hired men that run away. You don't care for people. You don't have any loving concern for people. Do you want proof? What did you do to the blind man that was healed? You excommunicated him. You got rid of him. You put him on the outside. That's not caring. You're like hired men. You don't own him. He did something and you just run away. They made no cost for that man at all. The only thing they did was to get rid of him. Compare that to the good shepherd. The good shepherd has purchased his sheep. He made a cost. So the sheep belong to him. They are his. When it came to the hill beggar, remember... How did the hill beggar have this conversation with Jesus the second time? Jesus heard that he'd been excommunicated. Jesus went out to find him. Jesus went out and found his lost sheep. 
Why? Because he cares. Five times, Jesus clearly affirmed the sacrificial nature of his death. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Under the old allowances, the sheep died for the shepherd. But now the good shepherd dies for the sheep. He did not die as a martyr killed by man for a religious cause. He died as a substitute, willingly laying down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd dies for his sheep. Not only that, we're told the good shepherd knows his sheep. I had uh, the opportunity to visit Kim this weekend. We were walking around his property and we went into this one paddock. And I was quite blown away because we went into this paddock and all these sheep come racing up to him, you know, and um, and he's patting them. And he was telling me their names and he said, be careful of this one because it may do this and if it gets a bit angry. And he was telling me how he hand-read this one and um, something I'd never seen before with sheep. He was telling me about their attitudes, about where they came from, and as we were walking, guess what? They just followed us. Do you know, as good as that was, or that picture is for Kim and his sheep, what we read here is so much deeper than what I saw that day. In the Gospel of John, the word know means so much more than an intellectual awareness of what's going on. The word know from the Greek speaks of an intimate relationship. How intimate? Well, the word know is the same word used know in our scriptures to describe the sexual union between a husband and wife. It is the same word. The same word know that Jesus says here is the same word used to describe the sexual union between a husband and a wife. It is used in the term of to be known in an intimate way with each other or not known, no sexual activity, intimacy has taken place. Jesus says as, as the good shepherd, he knows us on that same level of intimacy, relationship between a husband and a wife in sexual union. Man, that's close. That is close. You know, it can be scary to have someone know you that intimately. Chances are if you're married here, no one knows you like your partner. But most times, it's also one of the most comforting things to have in your life to know someone knows you that intimately. Why? Because most times when someone knows you on such a deep, intimate, relational level, you know that they really do love you and you know that they really do care for you and you know that nine out of ten times they've got your back. Well, according to Jesus, this is how close he is the Good Shepherd knows us that intimate relationship. What does the Good Shepherd know about us? He knows our natures. While all sheep are alike in their essential nature, each sheep has its own distinctive characteristics. And a loving shepherd knows and recognises the characteristics of their sheep. One sheep may be afraid of high places. Another sheep may be afraid of the dark shadows that come out. A good and faithful shepherd will consider these special needs when he cares for his flock. Have you ever noticed how different the twelve disciples were from one another? Peter was impulsive and sometimes outspoken. 
Thomas was hesitant. Andrew was a people's person and was always bringing someone to Jesus. Judas was the kind of person that wanted to use people for himself and the money. However, when you read the Gospel, you can plainly see Jesus knew the twelve intimately. He knew their personalities. He knew what made them tick. And so he knew exactly how to deal with them and how to grow them and how to take them on the journey. Well, the same is true for us. He knows our nature. He intimately knows what makes you tick. He intimately knows how to scratch you where you itch. Or as my daughters used to say, Jesus knows what floats your boat. Because the good shepherd intimately knows our nature. But guess what? He also knows our needs. If I was to give you a piece of paper and say, write down the greatest needs that you have. Give me three. I want you right now. I'm not doing this. But what are the three greatest needs that you have in life? I want you to write them down on a piece of paper. Chances are you'd be able to do that. You might be able to come up with some of your needs that you believe you need in your life right now. But I can't help but think what we write on that piece of paper might be correct. There may be needs, but would it be the greatest need? Our greatest need in life is not to be educated. It's not to be made socially acceptable. It's not to be financially secure and stable. Our greatest need in life is salvation. We need to have our sins forgiven, our lives changed, and our future secure. That is our greatest need. Now, if that wasn't on your greatest need list, don't worry too much. You don't have to come up with that. In fact, you don't even have to think of that. Why? Because Jesus knows that of you. Jesus knows your need. In fact, he knows your greatest need. The good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows their nature and their needs. He knows his sheep and shows his love in a way that he cares for him. Do you know, I think it's sad that Psalm 23 has become a funeral <coughs> psalm. I've said to Michelle, don't you ever have Psalm 23 read out of my funeral. <laughs> because it's not a psalm about death. It's a psalm about life. Psalm 23 is a beautiful poetic description of how a good shepherd cares for his sheep. While the sheep are in the pastures by the waters and even through the valleys, there may be dangers that the sheep will face and they may be in need of many things. But the psalmist says, as sheep they do not fear. Why? Well, it doesn't matter if the sheep are in the pastures or by the waters or in the valley. All the time the shepherd is watching the sheep. All the time the shepherd is caring for his sheep. All the time the shepherd is meeting the needs of his sheep. If you connect Psalm 23 verse 1, which says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, to 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. They're the bookends of the Psalms. But you get the main poem. The Lord is my shepherd. All my life he will be with me and I will always have everything I need. That's the message of Psalm 23. It's a psalm about life, not about death. The good shepherd knows his sheep. 
He knows the nations and he knows their needs. He knows his sheep and shows his love in the way he cares for them. What else does he do? The good shepherd takes up his life again for his sheep. As Jesus has already pointed out, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's willing to die. Surely then if a shepherd lays down his life for his sheep and is killed, then that's it, isn't it? It's all over. What's the point of that? How good is the shepherd now to his sheep when he's dead? Well, normally that scenario would be true, but not for the good shepherd. He says, I take up my life again for my sheep. And yes, that's exactly what happened. From a human point of view, when Jesus was died on that cross, when he was executed, it appeared, even for those who knew him, that's it, it's all over. The shepherd's gone. But from the divine point of view, he laid down his life willingly. However, as Paul clearly states, his voluntary death is followed with his victorious resurrection. When Jesus cried out on that cross, it is finished, it wasn't the end. Three days later, he voluntarily took up his life again and rose from the dead. The Father gave him the authority to do this in love. Verse 18, he says, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. But I have the authority to lay it down, but I also have the authority to take it up again. Why? Because that's the command I receive from my dad. Sometimes scripture teaches that it was the father who raised Jesus from, the, from death. However, the son stated that he had the authority to take up his life again. Both are true. The father and son work together in perfect harmony. So that's the good shepherd. He dies for his sheep. He knows his sheep. He takes up his life for his sheep. Now you may be sitting there, and I hope you are, and you're saying, yeah, Garth, you've only focused on one side of this sermon, the shepherd to us, and you are right. And that's why I want to finish with the part I left out, because Jesus says something to these Pharisees. My sheep know me. As the good shepherd cares for the sheep, the sheep get to know their shepherd better. How much better? Well, the same word is used again, of that intimate, loving relationship. Jesus wants us to know him that intimately and that close as a lover. In fact, he wants us to know him this way so much, he used the same intimate word to know him when he prayed for us in John 17. Why do you think he wants us to know him that way? Why can't we just be friends? I mean, even says, greater we have no friends that lay down his life. Why do you think Jesus says, when it comes to knowing me, this is what I want? I want this intimacy with you and you with me. Well, I think it's this. The more intimately we know the shepherd, the more we love and trust him. It was great yesterday to celebrate the wedding of Cohen and Jael. I don't know, for those of us who are married, when you get married, you think you are so much in love. You've got it all worked out. Michelle and I were married at Bellevue Heights Baptist Church. And our pastor was South African and he was quite strict, Graham Jones, great pastor. And we had to read three books, write three book reviews and write four essays <laughs> as um, part of our 
you know, um, part of our marriage counselling or pre-marriage counselling. And an essay could only be a chapter or something. And someone was like, what's the role of a wife? What's the role of a husband? And, and in one of our moves, Michelle and I found them and we read them. And oh my gosh, we had no idea. <laughs> Why he married us, I've never known. If you had asked me when I married Michelle, do I love her? Oh, I said, of course I love her. But that's nothing compared to I love her now. Because we've grown together. The more intimate we know each other, the more we love and trust each other. That's what Jesus wants for us. The more intimate that we know the shepherd, the more we love and trust him. How do you get to know the shepherd better? The very same way the sheep do with their shepherd. By listening to his voice and following him. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, voices can be a very distinctive thing. Some voices we immediately would recognise without seeing a face. I know for me, if you ever listen to Morgan Freeman, Sean Connery, or even the Queen, I don't need to see them to know who's speaking. Other voices can bring great encouragement into our lives. I remember when I left Queensland, boy, I struggled to leave Queensland and I was the big... And um, I was really missing Queensland and, and my former life. And my phone rang one day and I answered it. And it was my old boss, the principal of my school, who was a good friend of mine and my, and my writing buddy. And he said, Garth, I'm just ringing you up to see how you're going. And, um, and I remember we chatted. And when I left, I said, Ross, thank you. It was so good to hear your voice. His voice lifted me that day. Do you know, I've spoken to many a grieving widow or family member and they've told me if they could have one wish, it would be this. The one thing they would wish for more than anything else would be to hear that person's voice again. Why? Because there's power in a person's words. When a person speaks who you know and love, they can bring words of encouragement, words of safety, words of comfort, words of guidance and love. That is what Jesus wants to do for all of us as the Good Shepherd. Are we experiencing his daily care? Are we knowing his voice more and more? A voice that becomes recognisable and comforting. The question you've got to ask yourself is, do you know his voice? Let me tell you, we have his voice. We have it now. Where? For many of you, it's what you've got in your hands, or in your laps, or on your phones. It's the Bible. I remember a Bible college lecturer said years ago, he said, every time you open up the Bible, God opens up his mouth. Every time you shut the Bible, God shuts his mouth. Now, I know God speaks all the way, but... My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That's how he speaks, through the written word. Every time you open up your Bible, you hear the word of God. I have a saying, I have many sayings, but I hate it people when say, oh, the Bible, doesn't, the Bible contains the word of God. The Bible does not contain the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. When we know God intimately, our life has purpose. People who know their God will be strong and do great things, we're told in Daniel 11. 
Do I know him intimately? Do you know Jesus that way? Because you can't be committed to following someone you don't know. When you belong to him, you not only have all you need in life, you also have everything you need in death and the life after death for all eternity. When we are listening and following Jesus as our good shepherd, we realise that we're not saved by a doctrine in a book. We are saved by a personal redeemer, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. We know him by faith. We need not fear. He is the good shepherd. How good are those words today? Well, they're only good if you are the ones who are in the know. They're only good if you truly know Jesus. Who is Jesus? Do we know Jesus the way that he wants them to be known? Great passage. Encouraging passage. Jesus is there arguing with these Pharisees. He lays it out. What's the response of those who heard? It's very divided. Some actually say, this man is demon-possessed. He's out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others say, this doesn't sound like a man demon-possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? To some, Jesus' words brought life that day. They got it. They realised the blind man was right. He is the Son of Man. To others that heard the same voice and the same words, they brought nothing but confusion. Some were in the know and some weren't. I leave you with this question. What camp are you in? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for the richness of your word. And I thank you that you're a God that loves us and saves us and brings us into a loving community. Father, I thank you that um, you have planned everything for us to have all we need. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you chose to walk this path of obedience for your dad and that you came and you died that sacrificial death for us. Father, may we never lose sight of how good we have it in you. May we never take for granted that we are under the Good Shepherd because of the door that has been opened up for us and it's the same thing. Lord, I pray that as we go home this week, we open up our Bibles, speak to us in new and rich and exciting ways. May we share that intimate relationship with you that is going to grow each and every day. And Lord, as we come now to celebrate what you've done for us, to celebrate and remember how you laid down your life and you took it up again for your sheep. We are those sheep. We come before you and we know that though our sins were once red as crimson, they're now white. We have been washed clean in the blood of the great shepherd. So we thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name.